uh, green shoots. I want to see green shoots. And, and I can see Tiz on a FaceTime. He's appalled that I would reference that with our own club. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 65 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels from Sandusky, Ohio, and I'm glad that you're listening. In this episode, I have had the great opportunity to talk with Nick and Tiz, the host of the terrific Hawk Talk podcast. I'll be providing a link to that in the show notes. If you're a Hawk supporter and you're not checking it out, you owe it to yourself to do so. A lot of great insight. You caught at the beginning there a little uh, excerpt from the podcast. That was the first time that I have taken a, a piece out of a, the discussion that we had and added it there at the beginning is kind of a uh, an entry tagline, if you will. I think that's kind of a neat way to do it. I've heard a couple of other podcasts do that, and I thought it might not be a bad idea to go that approach also. But before we dive in, I wanted to let you know that I've also opened up the storefront for the podcast. I provided a link in the show notes. It's through Redbubble, and you can find it by searching a yank on the footy. And I've got a few designs that are on there right now, and I've got a couple of others I'm looking at. But if you're somebody who's looking for, you know, some way to help support the podcast and, you know, you need a new sticker or you want to get a T-shirt with the Yank of the Foot Yank on the Footy logo on it, I'd love for you to check it out. The nice thing about Redbubble is that they have printing facilities throughout the world. So if you order something and you're in Australia or in the U.S. or in uh, Canada or in Europe, they print right there and they'll have it to you in just a few days. It's really a kind of a neat way to go about doing things. So like I said, I hope you'll check out the storefront. Now they, they have things listed on there that, that quite frankly, I wouldn't be picking up. I, there were, I saw a shower curtain. I'm not putting up a podcast shower curtain in my house. For one, my wife would not let me do that, but there are all kinds of interesting things that they have there just in case you might want to check that out. So I'd appreciate it if you do that and maybe, uh, you know, help out the podcast a little bit. Money's going to go back into helping to pay for, fees for the uh, podcast hosting site and that sort of thing and renew, you know, hopefully upgrading equipment, renewing some of the recording um, software that I'm using as well. Now, before I uh, dive into the podcast, I wanted to mention that December 29th is coming up here very soon. That's my first episode or my first year anniversary, I should say. And my goal, and I kind of set this back in June of this year, July, as the podcast looked like it was going to start actually stabilizing and become something that people would want to check out. I was hoping to get to 10,000 downloads by the first anniversary, and I'm getting close. I'm less than 250 downloads away from the 10,000 of my first goal. So if you're listening to it, if you're enjoying the podcast, I'd love for you to share a link to an episode, maybe your favorite episode, one that you really liked with your friends. Tell them about the interview that I did with Ricky Nixon, or if you're a Bulldog supporter with uh, Danny Marshall or Cam Richardson, or if you're an NFL fan with Nathan Chapman, who runs Pro Kick Australia. Some fun, fun interviews that I've done, and this was one of them as well. So, ladies and gentlemen, sit back and enjoy my discussion with Nick Mason and Tiz of the Hawk Talk podcast. Oh yeah, before we dive in, for those of you who are regular listeners to the Hawk Talk podcast, I found out what Tiz's name is, but I'm really good at keeping secrets, so I'll never tell. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm uh, thrilled to be joined by the hosts of the Hawks Talk podcast, Nick Mason and Tiz. Gentlemen, thanks for coming on today. I hope you're okay talking to a cat supporter. <laughs> it's quite all right. Um, it has to be the right time, the right mood. Uh, <laughs> the stars have to align, but I, I feel they have. No, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having us. No, it's, it's yeah, great. I, season is perfect. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> exactly, you know, better, better than round two last year, right? Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think that was the first game back. Um, so it's always was, uh, it's always an interesting time between these two factions. But but you know they they are both two clubs that have had a long history of success. Mm. You know so they're and they you know they they've both been competing with one another for premierships for quite some time. Um, as you mentioned, you know that you know the Hawks have won a number of years recently. The cats. Mm. Let's let's be honest. The cats have pushed all their chips in right now to say, "Let's we're going to try to win one here in the next <laughs> year or two. And if they don't, if they don't, then we may be having a conversation in a couple of years where you guys are pushing from that premiership and the cats are in their rebuild mode." Um, yeah, it, it could really swing that that um, that extreme of, of like, as you say, just the clubs repositioning in each other's spots as they are right now because that's you know Hawthorne is fine it took a while but gravity got us in the end and then Hawthorne's finally conceded so it seems at least ahead of the draft um that yeah okay the the window is well and truly closed and we have to start prying it open again right whereas Geelong is is kind of like well this is it this is our shot and we're, we're gonna try and do everything we can to like have another assault at the premiership because I mean God, they got close. Really, they did. Uh, Richmond being as fantastic as they are, Geelong had them in a very good spot to half time. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't necessarily begrudge um, Geelong's strategy and what they're trying to do. It could well fail. They could end up in a hole in two or three years, but at least they're having a crack and right. you can't begrudge that. Yeah. So I listened to uh, your episode from like mid-November. It was right around the time of the trade period and and you guys had spoken how you were pretty pleased with the way the trade period had come off for you. Um, are you still you still looking back a couple weeks later? You're still feeling pretty good about that. I'll jump in first. Uh, I'm I'm not actually sure if Tiz agrees with me on this one. Uh, so it'd be good to hear from him as well. But look, it was a fairly academic trade period for Hawthorne. We, you know, had uh, a guy, a key defender in James Frawley that. Uh, was retired, air quotes, but he's ended up back at St Kilda. Um, and, and, you know, we had Isaac Smith who, who headed to your Geelong. So we had two pretty glaring spots to fill and then we filled them. And to my mind, that was a very straightforward and successful trade period. It wasn't really messy and we got done what we need to get done. But Tiz, I'm curious to see if you agree with me on that one. Uh, yeah, there was nothing dramatic there. We're um, <clears throat> we're suffering at the moment because we've taken so many draft picks and used them for ready-made players in the past, like Geelong is now. So Geelong have doubled down uh, trying to get a premiership and Clarko decided he would double down on the talent they had on the list and try to use that for one more. And it didn't pay off. And the calls are all to go back to the draft. But um, in order to do that now... We've got some old blokes who are too old. If we drop them from our defence, um, then we're non-competitive for a few years and Hawthorne don't want to be 
non-competitive. So they just pull in a an older uh, player to come in and, and hopefully serve us pretty well. I mean, Frawley's now moved on to St Kilda. Mm. But I... I would think about now in the same way that um, Geelong was in a similar position after 2011. They still made finals for a long time. They lost to us in the prelim. Then they reached 2015 and they, they basically bottomed it out for them. Mm. And then they've been on the, on, on the back of uh, Dangerfield and uh, Ablett coming back to the club, they've resurfaced. So we need, we need to make some... We just need to build our youth, really. So I'm excited about the draft this week. That's that's what Hawthorne's going to do. The other part is, off-field, our coaching panels have changed a, a lot since our mm. successes. Um, except for Clarko, everyone's left, gone to other clubs, and we've got Sam Mitchell back, uh, who was very successful at West Coast. And mm. now he'll be coaching our second-tier side, the Box Hill Hawks. And... Okay. Um, It'll be it'll be interesting to see whether we can develop a different game plan because basically that's what's been winning premierships. Hawthorne had a very talented side. The game plan won the premiership in 2016, and then after that, it's been Richmond. Yeah, it's Richmond. You know, I they have been. They're a club that you you look at them and you think they may not have the best players, but to me, they play better as a team than anybody I've seen in in a lot of sports. Their yeah, system correct. works yeah. well, so well together. It works well for them, but the real problem is that as an opposition, you just don't know what's going to happen in the next play. They're very unpredictable, um, which makes them effective. Yeah. Whereas Hawthorne have been very predictable for about three or four seasons, especially in their forward movement. And the Cats suffer from that too. That's why they drop Dangerfield into the forward line. Yeah, it's... Uh... So, you know, you, you guys, uh, you're, you're, you've kind of resigned yourself that you're in a rebuild mode. And, you know, it's, well, retooling. Yeah, kind of. I don't retooling. really want to. I know you don't want to. No, it's no, not no, something I don't you care want to. Words. It's, it's not something I, I don't care about the words. But okay. uh, 2020 <laughs> was, um, was a season where Hawthorne basically, we looked pretty good. We lost to the Cats. Then we beat Richmond. You know, that shouldn't happen. It's, it's a very inconsistent side. And then we go to Sydney on the hub and Hawthorne just the boys did not perform well in the hub at all. And uh, I've been reading about how Richmond coped with it. Apparently Dimmer didn't cope very well at all. And then they had to have a word with him, you know, so the dynamics within the group obviously failed them. So we've got, we've hopefully got a result that doesn't indicate our level of performance and the level of the list. This has been a consistent theme in our recordings for our podcast that I think, uh, Tiz, you've been very um, pointed in stressing that you, you should be careful in reading too much into this year as far as Hawthorne goes. Um, and that, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, this is one out of the box. These are circumstances that, uh, dare I say, unprecedented. The word we all love to hate at the moment because uh, it's bandied around too much. But it's true. This is a year we've, we've not really faced before and that footy hasn't faced before. So to that end, do we have an accurate gauge on where Hawthorne's at? Maybe, maybe not. I, I think on paper, there's still some, there's a lot of things in our list to address um that we saw play out on field but then yeah you're right there, there's a lot of things that do suggest that 
perhaps you know rebuild is too strong because uh the country was rebuilding <laughs> you know what i mean well, i mean hawthorne players have a lot of faith you know we have this thing trust in clarko as our hashtag and it's probably infuriating for opposition clubs <laughs> but we do we trust clarko immensely which which is com- in many ways it's completely the opposite of what happens down the road in geelong where you know one bad game and, and Geelong supporters are ready to, to run, you know, Chris Scott out on a rail. You know, it's like, wait. <laughs> it's, yeah, uh, he doesn't deal with losses well. And also his finals, his, yeah. his finals campaigns yeah. haven't been great, but he's come up against some very good sides at the wrong time. Yeah, that's true. He is actually rated um, by the other AFL coaches in their surveys as the hardest coach to coach against. Hmm. I've never, I've never seen that before. I mean, he is good. I mean, there's no doubt. While you know, and and us on our show, we have a bit of fun at Scott's expense. Like we highlight the finals record, but the the fact is, as you as you should. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, well, it, you, come on, it's if it's, there, if, isn't it? If, if it's a if it's a Hawks podcast, you absolutely should. Oh yeah, <laughs> exactly it, right. It, it's it's really good. We enjoy it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that that being said, you know you do have to afford credit to a team that's been thereabouts. While they haven't seized the ultimate prize <clears throat> for a while, uh, the fact that they're always sort of thereabouts and in contention is absolutely to the credit of not only Scott but the players and the list management. I mean, you know, I think Hawthorne tried to after the three peat era definitely tried to defy gravity like much too long and that's why we're in the spot that we're in um i would say geelong yeah i mean they haven't won a flag but they have defied gravity they've always been there and they've always been annoyingly in contention and uh i think there's credit that needs to be extended there and it pains me to say as a hawks fan but (laughs) you you know it's there that's facts they've always been thereabouts so and i've had some great moments at the hawthorne you know, Geelong games, they've been key to the AFL's last two decades. They're some of the highlights of the, of the league. Well, I, yeah. uh, my son, um, I'm trying to get him interested in the game. And uh, uh, we, we, we watched, he ended up going out with some of his buddies, but we did watch the, uh, the first half of the 89 grand final. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Online. So that was, uh, and I had not watched it before. I had read about it, but I hadn't, mm. it, it, you know, Hawthorne was just obliterating Geelong in the first half of that match. Mm. It was just, you know, and it, then it ended up being like but, a, a well, single goal, you know, different yeah, in the, the scoring. End. Yeah. But uh, Geelong was getting <laughs> well, some okay. fairly significant yes. hits. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, uh, I, I was, uh, it's a I was, very I different was, game though, isn't it, Craig? Well, it's, absolutely. Uh, it's it is. changed a lot. You know, watching, you know, watching them go after, uh, uh, Dermot Brereton, you know, right on the opening bounce was mm. just like, you know, okay, balls up, you're down, you know. <laughs> that, that is um, virtually unheard of. Like, that yeah. is famous. Um, well, I've not famous seen anything for, like it since I've been watching. Absolutely. It's famous for a number of reasons, but in the context of the modern game, for something like that to happen would be huge news. Like, that would be... Uh, <laughs> the media would have a field day with it, and I... I I somehow imagine that uh, in the press conference afterwards, the coach would have to like apologize for it. Maybe that's how sanitized the game has become, but I don't imagine the club getting away with tactics like that in terms of the PR game. 
no, I, yeah, I don't think, yeah, I don't think you're going to see that happen. You know, you, you know, we see people do things that are, that are out there that are pushing the envelope, if you will. Um, mm. You know, Tom Lynch kind of got a little bit of a reputation towards the end of the season. Toby, Toby Green has a reputation for that. You know, Tom Hawkins, you know, you could argue that maybe they, maybe they played in the grand final if he kept his elbows to himself, you know, against, <laughs> against the West Coast, you know, the year before. Maybe. Um, yeah. You know, the uh, watching, you uh, know, B- watching Ben Stratton and uh, Orazio Fantasia a couple of years ago when, <laughs> when he came out all bruised up. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, I was going to mention that one. That that was one out of the box as well, and, yeah. and not very sportsmanlike. I'm glad that, um, you know, I, I didn't see it as a massive deal at the time. I thought it was a big media beat up, but at the same time, yeah, you shouldn't be doing that on the field. That's that's just poor sportsmanship. You don't need that. And the fact was, like, Stratton is a better player than that. He didn't need it in his game, right? Um, right. And his CV said to everyone that he didn't need it in his game. So. I thought the guy you were going to bring up in Hawthorne colours, though, was James Sicily, who uh, our resident hothead, who's kind of got it out of his game, which is uh, which is good. He he's still a competitive beast, but not to the point where it's problematic. Oh yeah, there's there's nothing wrong with being competitive. Nothing wrong with that at all. It's uh, mm. you know, I just it, you you hope that it can be, you know, a, a a clean game. But it's but again, you know, the the big issue then is that every you know as they should be everybody's concerned about head injuries that type of thing now which yeah you know you have to be cognizant of and careful of you know that's the same thing that's going on in the nfl um in you know collegiate sports here as well that you know there are all those concerns with that sort of thing um but you know getting back to where the the hawks are right now because you know Mm -hmm. And yeah, I know. The, I know the word rebuild is not the word that people want to use. But what what is what is a what does a successful twenty twenty one look like for Hawthorne? Um, to borrow a line from uh, the Carlton Football Club in years gone by, uh, green shoots. I want to see green shoots, and and I can see Tiz on a FaceTime. He's appalled that I would reference that with our own clubs, but you got to see signs that we're at least building towards something again. Tiz, I don't know why you're making those faces at me. This is not, not a revelation. <laughs> oh, the, the, the aim will, uh, will, of course, be to get some finals experience into these kids. But um, what we really need is a new style of play, one that yeah. thwarts Richmond. And um, <laughs> Clarko's been adamant that he needs McAvoy behind the ball to beat Richmond and other clubs have tried tools behind the ball to reach Richmond to, to kind of stop them from just getting that kick forward and running onto it. Um, that'll be Clarko's, uh, what do you say? He'll, he'll just be obsessed with that all year. And that's why we didn't give up Ben McAvoy in the trade period. Offers came from him from the dogs and other clubs and uh, they were pretty sizable offers. I, I felt Hawthorne might entertain them, but they've kept McAvoy who's, in his thirties on the list and um, his best foot is behind him, but it's all to expose Richmond's game plan. And that's, that's what they'll be working over all summer. Well, that's the point, isn't it? You've got to catch the the league leaders. You've got to work out what they're doing and how to beat it. And, uh, you know, we, we did grab that win over Richmond um, earlier this year. I think it was a depleted Richmond, if I recall. So take from that. They didn't have Dusty. Mm. <laughs> a bit of an omission, no dusty yeah, that, from that side. Yeah, that's uh, 
gosh, is he, he is just, he is just an absolute terror. He really yep. is. I mean, it's, uh, because you don't have a clue. If there was where... ever a bloke you were, if there was ever a bloke you were going to line up in a grand final, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's, you know, that's what I've been, I've been talking to people about. I said, you know, with, you know, that the cats are trying to, you know, to try to do something similar to what Richmond has done with Lynch and with Rewalt by having, you know, mm. Hawkins and, uh, and Cameron in there. Yeah. Um, and having the two talls. And I said, you know, if the cats can get like, 10% of, of, of Dusty from somebody like Gary Rowan or Brian Myers, that could be a, a, a boon to them. Cause you know, they're, they're not him. I'm not, you know, and I've said that in other, yes. episodes, they're Dusty is, is head and shoulders above pretty much anybody else. that's that's doing what he's doing there, but uh, they're trying to emulate that. Hopefully it works out. But playfully, I might suggest that um, you don't want to pin your hopes on Gary Rowan at this point. Well, I, I, I yeah. No, there's um. There's there's some good talent in the twos at Geelong. They just uh, haven't got a look in. Right, right. While. Absolutely. That's one thing about Chris Scott. He doesn't. He, he does back his youth, but you won't see. Um, you d- sometimes don't see them for long. And Hawthorne, they'll say, "All right, you've got three games to prove yourself." And uh, I haven't noticed that at Geelong very much. They seem to flit in and flit out of the lineup. Yeah, they have. It's just the the different coaching styles. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, if you you know if if you you know you talked about what looks like, uh, the the green shoots and I, that made sense to me that mm. you're growing something. I I I get that reference there. Um, yeah, even though we've got snow on the ground here, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, what what does a uh, what do you consider to be un, unacceptable for 2021? You know, hopefully that doesn't happen. But what what is the mm worst case scenario for you that like oh no this is not how we wanted it to go okay um, yeah sure my um, worst case scenario i've got it I, okay. and this has worried me for a while is yep. um the um the the older ages don't mix with the young young group and i think there's a mm. lot of success in that older group um and sort of know what they're doing and Clarko trusts them a lot and picks them a lot and I feel like there's going to be a lot of friction between the youth coming into that side and the older blokes trying to hang on to their spots. Yeah. And some of those old blokes that have the, uh, the resume of those premierships and they've got their glory, but they're, they're going to have to be respectful and mindful of where the club's at and, and the necessity to promote um, new strategy and, and new, uh, new faces as well. Um, my measure of what could uh, of a fail of an F uh, for next year would be the same old. Um, I frankly, I don't want to see Shields, Mitchell, Warple, and O'Meara the same mix in that midfield for for rounds on end. Um, that would be a big mistake. There needs to be some diversity in that mix, and probably across the park. Because this is the year where you do it. I think we're a while away from contending and you've got to work out how to get back in that space. And it's probably not going to be with that same engine room every single week. Um, it's unfortunate that we delisted Jones. Uh, Harry Jones would have been one bloke in, in 2021 I would have liked to have seen given a shot and put into that mix just to see what else he could bring. Um, I want to see stuff from Finn McGuinness. I want to see Cousins, if he can take the ne- next step. Um, I guess, in a nutshell, my my uh, grounds for deeming 2021 a fail 
would be uh, <laughs> no dare to be different, which is ironic because uh, the club launched a dare to be different campaign recently in recent history. So if they don't have that dare, they will fail. Okay. Now, you guys have, have grown up, um, and, and, I, and I guess I should have asked this earlier on, but is being a Hawk supporter, is this something that, that you grew up in a family of Hawk supporters, or did you, how did, how did that come oh, about? Yes. You, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I grew up uh, in the very cold climate of Waverley Park during the late 80s, early 90s, <laughs> learning to swear in the outer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah, no, it's uh, so we've we've seen some terrific periods, and also there was a seventeen-year period um, where we didn't win a premiership, and you know we were never down for that long. But the club nearly folded. So um, we've had moments where we've learnt to appreciate football for football's sake, and not just for the winning, which I, is healthy. <laughs> I'm I'm a Cleveland Browns fan, so I know all about that. Uh, <laughs> Um, my dad, uh, I, I inherited my uh, footy fandom, my Hawthorne fandom from my dad, who, um, when he was young, uh, like a very young kid, was carried on his shoulders uh, home at halftime from Glenferry. Um, so that the, the Hawthorne lineage is definitely there and runs deep. And I think for a while he, he might have been a bit concerned because growing up, I... I you know, being a five, six-year-old, I, I think I just quite liked the colours of other teams. And I think football in general interested me. So I can recall having, you know, an Adelaide money box and like a Western Bulldogs football. And, uh-huh. you know, I, I was growing up on Hawthorne, but I was sort of spreading my wings a bit while still going to Hawthorne games. And then, you know, my mum's side of the family entered the frame and they tried to beckon me to Barrack for Essendon. Um, which they did a pretty good job of for a little bit. I had torn allegiances. For a while, it was a two-horse race. It was Hawthorne and Essendon. And people would ask me, um, you know, who do you want to win? Like, if they're playing against each other, who do you barrack for? And my answer would be whoever needs the win more, which I thought was fair enough at the time. But it came to the... Well, the (laughs) the 2001 preliminary final... Um, which Essendon just scraped over the line in a heartbreaking loss for Hawthorne. And I was there with my dad and my brother. I'd been to, obviously, many, many, many Hawthorne games with him by that point. Um, I think that was the moment where the the spell was broken and there was just no more Essendon uh, in in my mind. Um, Because I felt it. I, I felt it in in my body how upsetting it was. Right, I, right. I was I was smashed by it. It was uh, it was a terrible thing, and it taught me that no, I'm I'm Hawthorne. That's okay. there's no there's no disputing that anymore. So yeah. Well, and you it's you mentioned an, go ahead. It's an interesting thing that Hawthorne will be um, shifting their home again. In the in mm. the 60s, we were homed in uh, Glen Ferry in Hawthorne, um, and then we moved out to uh, Princess Park, Waverley Park, now we have our home games at the MCG, and next we're going to be down in Dingley. So we've, we've really shifted our supporter base, it seems there's going to be a lot of change in, in supporters of Hawthorne, and we're exposing ourselves to, to new fans when we move down to our new 
how, how much is it worth again? I forget how much the development is. It's about a hundred million. Yeah. So wow. they they're trying to um, they're trying to create a, and they're on the record as saying they want to be like a Man United of of yeah. AFL. Now our system isn't built for it. We have a socialist model of of how we go about running the game. So we could never do that. But um, we certainly want to be leaders off the field. Yeah, it's meant to be a um, premier sporting facility that is the envy of not only the entire competition, but sporting clubs around the nation. Like, that's that's the extent to which they're talking it up. And um, it certainly seems great on paper. And we've got a little bit of funding. Uh, but, yeah, it's taking a while. Inch by inch, we're getting there. Obviously, the, uh, the climate of 2020 and everything that's happened has set us back a bit. But... Um, some good things happening with Hawthorne. And, and as you say, uh, Tiz, there's a lot changing in terms of the supporter base and the demographic that we stand to bring in. Well, and you guys have, you know, with us, you guys have had 2020 has been a hellacious year for Australia because mm. you, you went from the, the, the wildfires just devastating so much of the country to, to, to walking right into to covid yeah, that, that, yeah. that literal, literally Australia has not had a chance to catch its breath yeah. in over a year. Yeah. And it's, uh, and, and Tiz, you mentioned something rather interesting there. And, and I, and I want to kind of ask you about this because you, you know, you talked about how, how uh, Hawthorne wanted to be with, and I'm not a big soccer fan, but you said, was it the Manchester? Or, um, Manchester United. But, yeah. but, but they're, uh, but you know, that, that, that footy operates kind of under a socialist model of sport. Now, that was, that, that's, that's kind of a, a, an interesting way that you mentioned that there. But in terms of, you know, the, the game being competitive for all the clubs, is, is, wouldn't that be preferable? You know, I, and yes, I guess. Yeah, no, that, it, that's right. So we could, we could never emulate Man, Manchester. But also over there, you're competing against other teams in Europe. And we don't right, have that right, in Australia. Right. So we can, we control that. Yeah. Um, because, and so the, the aim for the AFL is they get one, one pre- team wins a premiership every 18 years you know that's their ideal <laughs> exactly yeah exactly but you know because for example you know the the nfl the nba major league baseball here in the u.s they all have a salary cap uh, well mm. i'm sorry major league baseball does not have a salary cap that's the one i meant okay so you know the new york yankees have a a salary you know mm. well where they're paying their team uh almost 250 million dollars for their team's yeah. salary and the Tampa Bay Rays, who were in the World Series this year, their their team salary was about twenty five million dollars. Yeah, I mean, what's interesting about that is, um, I believe that's the model that our president Jeff Kennett would love to introduce to the AFL landscape. So, I mean, earlier this year, I know Tiz hates me bringing this up, but uh, prior to Hawthorne getting absolutely creamed by Geelong, getting smacked at Cadinia Park. Um, prior to that game, uh, our president, Jeff Kennett, made the statement that, uh, you know, relegation should be a thing that's on the cards in the AFL. Like, if you don't, if the club, if a club doesn't have their stuff together, if they don't shape up, then they get relegated. Um, (laughs) those comments have not aged too well. Well, that's a, that's a huge swipe at all those clubs that are, well, they're basically, um, bringing the rest of the league down. We're talking about some of the new clubs, some of the badly managed clubs. Coast. Yeah. Well, and yeah, they've got it, talent there and we just don't see enough of it. And when it gets to other clubs, it's not only a problem for, um, for the AFL, these clubs not being competitive. It's a problem for the players. We've had 
a couple of players from come from out of Gold Coast who have just relished being yeah. at Hawthorne. Far better players now that they're here. And it's really not fair on those on those young guys. Now Gold Coast have put up things like we'd like the first signatures, the guys we take in the draft. Can we have them for four years, please? You know? Um, we'll just keep them for four years because they keep leaving too quickly. Well, the reason they're leaving so quickly, and this is this is why Jeffrey wants to have this relegation stuff, is um that the club's badly managed. Yeah, it's an interesting thing because I think it's quite a hard line that uh, that Jeff has, but I see sense in it because, you know, when you talk about something like the Suns... But I, you need I, to build the game. We've got to build the game and we've got to reach yeah. international appeal. I mean, we're, we won't be going to China again for the foreseeable future, I, was, I would I was, imagine. I, yeah, I was going <laughs> to bring that up because I actually I read an article. I have it pulled up here that there's a... A young man that's in uh, in your uh, your academy. In the academy. Yeah, with yeah. Con- Connor Downey. Yeah, that's was, the one. You know, who was you know who was hoping to play this for the is, Hawks, but uh, this is the Yao Ming article, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. have that one. I have that one pulled up here. But then I then I also found an article from 2018 where uh, Mr. Kennett said that you know overseas push is a waste of time and money. Uh, so. <laughs> uh, well researched, yeah. sir. Well researched. Yeah, you well, played so, that well. Well, which leads yeah. me to which leads me to then ask about uh, what about Tasmania getting their own club? Um, well, I wouldn't fun, mind it. Uh, I wouldn't mind it in terms of uh, it's a very selfish want. But if we got moved out of Tassie, I presume we'd play more games at the MCG, which is. <laughs> Win, win. Fine by me. It means I get to see more football. Great. So, so are are you volunteering north to go to Tasmania? Is that what you're saying? Uh, I, I can think of a few places north can go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that, that's. I mean, I, jokes aside, I really don't care what North do in that respect. If they need to go to Tassie and. Um, okay, no, no, no. Let, let me rehash that. I, I care if they're in competition with us for something. The second it becomes about that and securing the Tassie market, um, North can can beat it if that's the case. They can okay. get lost. That's fair. But that's fair. If, if, it, if it is our endeavour to move out and then North want to establish their base there, then by all means, if that's what they need to do, then fine. Um, yeah, they, they have my blessing for what it's worth. Well, because it it's like the Tasmanian dream of a team is pretty much shot now because um, yeah. their, their leader or the guy pushing the movement has come out and said, you know, Hawthorne and North Melbourne have, have done no good in having games down there. Yeah, that, uh, was, uh, over, that was over the last 20 year period. I thought that was a really strange thing to say. And just it just sort of puts everyone offside. And I don't think they can um, negotiate from that position. Yeah, th- those were comments made just recently. I- I'm familiar with them, Tiz. I'm surprised it hasn't come up on our podcast, actually. We-, we haven't talked about it. But those comments were made that these two clubs have done nothing for Tassie. And I just I don't see how that can possibly be true. It's for for how long is Tassie. our re- yeah. Well, for footy in Tassie. But like, how long has Hawthorne alone, that relationship has been well over a decade, what, 15 years or yeah, something? it's 20 years. It's 20, 20 years, years. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. That, but we need to be going to somewhere like Hawaii, don't we? Wouldn't it be great to play in Hawaii? <laughs> the Hawaii Hawks. Yeah, there we go. 
Yeah, well, if you'd come, <laughs> if you want to come play in Ohio, I would certainly come watch. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I know that there was, you know, there was the talk about GWS and Essendon playing a game in in Los yeah, Angeles really. this spring, and I was trying to figure out how in the hell am I going to get to Los Angeles to go watch this game? Um, <laughs> you know, cause I, I, yeah, I've never seen a game in person. Yeah. You know, so yeah. It, this is, you know, to me, it's, it's, I, I still, it's still mind boggling to me that I'm, I'm talking to you gentlemen, which I'm thrilled to be doing, you know, about a game <laughs> that, you know, that I've never actually seen played in front of me. So well, you know, if, when, if it makes you, you feel, it, you're going to, you're going to absolutely love it when you see it though. It's, it, I can tell you now, it is so much better in person than on than on the television. Uh, and I will say, um, I, I don't know if this will make you feel any better. In fact, I'm sure it won't. But <laughs> in terms of in terms of us extending empathy for your plight, um, it's been a fair while since we've seen a game in person as well. <laughs> at this point, fair point, fair point. Yes, <laughs> it was uh, our last game. Um, it's rare. It's actually, I don't know uh, what our particular listeners think, but it's rare for tis and i to attend a game explicitly together like we might be at the same game in our respective circles but it's very rare that we both head off to a game together and the last game was an occasion in which we did that and it was uh jared ruffhead his final game for the hawthorne football club legend of the club you might be familiar with him um yeah, massive send-off. He kicked six goals. Very emotional and fun day. And it's very surreal to think that that was the last time we were at the footy. Yeah, that was uh, – that I did see that because that was – because uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Bob Murphy and Lance Franklin were both there. I think it was Murphy. I think it was uh, – they were there in the locker room after the – after the contest, congratulating him. I think that was yeah. Mur- Murphy wouldn't surprise me. He's he's friends with Ruffy and their their families, uh, respective families, get along well. Um, he he had a great contingent of past Hawthorne players as well. I mean, Jordan yeah. Lewis was there. Birchall, Buddy that's Franklin. Who I think made I might be, that's who I think I might be thinking of. Jordan Lewis rather than Murphy. That's who oh, I. I if if like if it turned out if there was a revelation that Murphy was there, oh yeah, probably. <laughs> I will. I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah, but it's it's been uh, it has been f- absolutely a joy learning about learning about this game over the last few mm. years, and you know, getting a chance to to talk to to fans and supporters like yourselves um, about it has is just been an absolute blessing for me. Um, now, one thing before we wrap up here, because I know you guys mm-hmm. have got a busy Sunday ahead of you, and uh, <laughs> you know. Well, Actually, a couple of questions yet. Which club do you think had the best trade period? Oh, that's an interesting one. Um, I would need to go back and do my homework on that again because it feels like it's been so long. But I think the Bulldogs did pretty well. Okay. Um, I think also St. Kilda are well-primed to do exactly what they need to do in 2021. I mean, they, they made the semifinal in 2020. Really they should be pushing for a prelim final berth. They need to go one better. And with the list that they now have, I think that they can. They had a successful trade period. I think they're well-primed to do exactly that. So that's a big tick in my book. I don't know what you think, Tiz. I would say those two were one and two, and then Geelong would be third. I think they strengthened their forward line really well. Geelong's an interesting one, because obviously they gave up a lot. To, to get that Cameron deal done. But I think that's what they needed to do. And, you know, Smith and Cameron, um, those acquisitions in that period, 
that that is what I was referring what I was referring to like before that that idea of just keeping things aloft and keeping that window open. Um, they're going all in, and you could do much worse than Smith and Cameron. Like they're decent acquisitions in order to keep that premiership hope alive. So. And, we, they did well. and we've got to drum up Melbourne. Of course, Melbourne will be real good next year. Uh, <laughs> get the bandwagon, bandwagon going. Ben Brown's there. They finally got a tall target in the forward 50. It's going to be great you, to watch. You, you, guys, you guys were referencing this in the episode that I listened to earlier today. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so you must, have a, you must have a real soft spot in your heart for the Demons. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> they, um, they were to be the team we would have merged with back in 96. And so there's still friction between the supporter bases. Okay, well. <laughs> they voted for it. They voted for it, Melbourne. And uh, the Hawks voted against. And look at us now. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. Now, the last thing before, before I uh, let you gentlemen go, you know, there were several rule changes that have been made this year. But if you had a chance... If uh, if they come to you and say, okay, we're going to give you an opportunity to add one new rule change that's not there, what, what would it be? Oh, that's an interesting one. I think it's very telling that the things that spring to mind for me uh, <laughs> are repealing some of the changes that have been made. That's perfectly um, acceptable. I, I, okay, so I'm just going to spitball here and not land on any one particular one. I think the... Uh, protected zone has gone way too far in terms of around the um, set shots and, and, and free kicks and that sort of thing. I think players are penalised for acting fairly innocently and innocuously. Like they don't mean to infringe and then suddenly it's just ridiculous and it's paid. Uh, third man up in the ruck, I think, can come back. Um, that would get things moving. Um, yeah, I mean, there's... In terms of new, like, novel ideas, I don't have one at the ready. I, I've just mostly spent the last few years bemoaning the little tweaks that they've made, and I would sense. walk them back. Um, so, Tiz, do you, do you have any that are similar or different to that? Yeah, I would uh, make the grounds uniform. I would have yeah. all the grounds the same <laughs> size. Um, and I would kill off a lot of the home ground advantage because I think there's a lot of teams that just make finals every year on on home ground advantage stakes. <clears throat> and uh, I'm not sure that it's good for the game to have that kind of uh, built-in advantage. <laughs> <laughs> the Geelong cap has come hey, on. He put the cap on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, it's interesting. Cause to, we be watched, to, you, I, to be fair to you, To be fair to you, I thought you were referring mostly to West Coast because the noise of affirmation over at Optus Stadium is famous. Like, they, they, they hold massive sway over the umpiring over there. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's in the stats, too. You can see it. It's not yeah, like yeah. it's a it's conspiracy theory. It's definitely, oh. and that, that's why I feel comfortable saying it. I don't have to be um, uh, culpable of sour grapes or anything like that. There, there are figures to show that West Coast has benefited enormously from favourable umpiring in well for a long time now. So there's got to be something to it. I just think part of a professional league, you have to have those those constraints on on the game. Yours is very costly, though, it is. Like, <laughs> so it needs to be a fair <laughs> injection of cash to make grounds uniform in the well, way you're suggesting. Unless you make them all smaller. 
Well, you would have, you know, because, you know, I don't know how much, I don't know how much room they would have down at Cardinia Park to actually widen it. You know, I know that yeah. they're, I know yeah. that they're getting ready to rip out uh, the, if I'm not mistaken, the Ablett stand and rebuild that with like 4,000 additional seats. Um, yeah, yeah, they're doing some work. 100, down there. 150 million. Yep, and, and 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 you guys didn't get any of that, from what I remember. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, we we haven't received any state funding. We got uh, the federal stooges to chip in, which is good. Jeff Jeff knows people in high places still, so there you go. It, it worked out in the end. We got some money, um, but yeah, no, Geelong's stadium should be a ripper by the time it's done. It's great it's great for geelong i've never been there i would love to go there neither someday. have i no i've never been <laughs> to a game there oh, oh, the hostile environment would be a unique well, maybe, way of watching the footy maybe maybe you go down there for a a neutral game maybe you go down there for yeah. a a geelong gold coast game or something of that nature yeah i i, I wouldn't mind i mean i at the end of the day i just like football so I would there not hate go. it. Um, and I, I don't actually mind Geelong as a suburb either. Um, what I'm trying to say is it's just the team. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I kid, I kid. What, what is really um, the truth for me, at least, as a Hawthorne supporter and, and the, the long-standing Hawthorne-Geelong rivalry is that um, they're both powerful clubs. And you, you got to respect that. And I, I hope it goes both ways. I don't see Geelong as just this annoying gnat that you, uh, you know, you're just irritated by and swat away. No, you have to sort of look at what they do and, and pay some sort of regard and respect to it. And, and honestly, I think that's what makes the rivalry between the two clubs so good. It's this mutual admiration and respect of like, these are two big, clubs these are two big powerhouses that go at it now would you say that that geelong is hawthorne's biggest rival uh, it's it's tough we, we haven't it, it, it is in recent history yeah yeah okay. recent history definitely um the only close competitor to that might be sydney but no it's got to be geelong throughout history hawthorne's made a lot of famous foes um north melbourne essendon uh, but Geelong has been, Geelong's probably been the through line, hasn't it, Tiz? Like, that's been a huge one. Yeah, our first grand final loss was to Geelong in 63, so. Mm. That's when I was born, so I was. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, I, I want to thank you so very much for coming on today. This was very informative. I, I'm glad to get your, your thoughts on where Hawthorne is and where you see them going. And hopefully yep. the green hopefully the green shoots do crop up. Um, <laughs> He's just gonna hate me for that line. <laughs> you know, I, I, I as a as a teacher, I like that line. You know, it's I, I think that's a great line to use. I mean, that you want to see it's it's basically it's a fancy way of saying you want to see growth in, in yeah, the young it, players. It, yeah. I'm excited for the draft. I mean, as we're recording this, the draft is in a few days, and uh, right. I'm excited to see who we bring in and how that shapes 2021. I'm not for the first time in a while, my measure is not uh, my measure of success is not a great finals campaign or just surging to the top eight. It's readying ourselves for that next push, and I want to see signs that we are indeed readying ourselves. And it will come through the likes of. Um, yeah, I'm so excited to see Will Day, who was our, our recruit from last year, our star recruit, and you know more signs like that 
more signs where it's like, wow, this kid can play. He's going to be something long-term. That's going to make me enjoy footy the most next year. And, well, and I he's think got, in that sense, he's got it in his DNA too. He does. He does yeah. indeed. Um, I would hope that Tiz is on board at least with that sentiment rather than the green shoots thing might be a bit much for him. <laughs> um, what, what I'd love to see is Hawthorne develop an academy, just start an academy down at Dingley or wherever they mm. begin and um, build the game and, and build some young talent through that because uh, we're seeing some interstate sides just nail the draft through their academy picks. And it's, um, it's a very big advantage in most Victorian clubs are going to have to either develop a father-son academy or some kind of academy just to keep up. Um, can I say, I know we're signing off, but I want to extend a thanks to you, Craig. And also, um, I think it's incredibly enjoyable for us as fans of this game to see it have international appeal like this. I know as I was growing up, um, you know, it felt like very much from the outside looking in as far as the NBA is concerned NBA uh-huh. was like a massive thing here in, in the 90s growing up in Australia and it was always uh you felt a sense of disconnect it's like oh I, I like this but I'm so on the outside of it but you know we're in 2020 we can connect this way it's enormously gratifying to see someone from the other side of the world take an interest in this game and um I like that we've been able to share the passion today. It's been really fun. So thanks for having us. You bet. Absolutely. I, I love talking to you guys. I'm, I, uh, you know, I, I, as you mentioned, I love good footy. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't hate any club. I mean, it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, you got to go to an Easter Monday clash with us and uh, <laughs> that might come to you. <laughs> well, you know, I, if I, I should say when I, when I get there, I, um, yeah. my plan is, and I have sat down numerous times with the, the different like airline schedule things and, and the, and the fixture to figure out, okay, if I was going now, you know, if I left on this day, I, I could go and see, you know, three games this weekend. And if I stayed through mm. the following weekend, I could see three more games that weekend and then come home, that yeah. sort of thing. And it's, it's been, you know, it has been so enjoyable meeting so many different people online and talking and engaging with people that, you know, mm. I, and I, I talk to more people in Australia than I do in the United States at this point in time. I really do. <laughs> I don't, you know, there are a few people online that I'll talk to that are, that are footy fans. And, you know, I, and you mentioned something, um, Nick, a, a little while ago about how when you were becoming a Hawthorne fan, you were torn between them and Essendon that you yeah. had, I think like a, you had like a, a pencil box or something that was a crow's pencil box or something along oh. that line. But, All over the shop. Hawthorne yeah. blood, Hawthorne interest. But I, I don't know what was going on there for me as a kid. But, you know, because I asked this question when I first started following the game. And, I, and you know, and I'm, and I'm trying, you know, I have, I own two or three Geelong shirts, three or four hats, mm. that sort of thing. Um, but, I, you know, I, I asked people in, just in like the general forums online, I said, well, you know, what if, you know, if I'm trying to draw interest in the game, I said, is it acceptable if I'm a cat supporter? Mm. Is it okay for me to wear, you know, to find a, uh, you know, a, a Hawthorne polo shirt or an Adelaide polo shirt to wear to work and that sort of thing. And people were like, no, you would get, you'd get killed here for doing that, uh, yes. for wearing somebody else's colors. I said, well, you know, I am, I'm 10,000 miles away and nobody knows who these <laughs> folks are. I said, if this, if this can help to drum up some interest in the game, I said, does it, you know, get more support here. Does it, does it hurt? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm very pleased to try and, um, spread the game to the u.s I, th- I think there's a lot of people who would enjoy our games there 
Well, it's at the very at the very least, given Hawthorne's colours, I mean, it's an interesting fashion statement. People are going to be asking questions with the golden well, brown. What is that that you're wearing? What is that? Uh, did you lose a bet? Uh, well, I, I, so will, you I will. People... I will recommend to you uh, Google the University of Wyoming. <laughs> Can I do done? that now? Sure, because it's the uh, it's, okay. it's a similar it's a similar color combination. W Y O M I N G. Wyoming okay. football. University of Wyoming football and. As we load that up, oh, the suspense oh, yeah. is killing me. That is, that's almost very similar. Yeah, I, I, I'm right Jeez, it behind look bad, you. Does it? <laughs> yeah, I, I've <laughs> my slow internet has held us up, but I imagine it's only worth it. Okay, oh, wow, okay, pants. Yeah, I had no idea that our colors were represented over yeah, the other side fact, of the world. Yeah, you know, if you are, if you follow the NFL at all, the uh, the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills played at the University of Wyoming. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, I, I think what is interesting there for me, looking at those images, psychologically, I immediately felt a kinship for this team that I know nothing about. So it <laughs> runs deep, is what I'm saying. Perhaps worryingly deep, my allegiance to Hawthorne. So I've learned a bit about myself today. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yes, that, that is, they, they have... It is one of the more unique color combinations. <laughs> it is. It, it is. is. Uh, do do whatever you feel to promote the game over there. But uh, the, people are right. They've cottoned, on that... to, they've cottoned on to filling it out with white as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just to take the heat off the other color, uh, color combination. Um, yeah, Craig, no, you're right in saying that in Australia doing that would be uh, interesting, you know, in say a workplace environment, to say the least, to rock up with different colors on. I really do think the first reaction would be, oh, clearly you had a bet over the weekend and yeah. you have to rock up to work wearing different colors. But if you can get away with it in the US to promote the game, I'm all for that. I think it's fantastic um, to, to speak to someone who's all the way over the other side of the world who genuinely seems really passionate about the game. So that's great. Terrific. Well, again, I appreciate you guys coming on. And ladies and gents, I, uh, I want to thank Nick Mason and Tiz from the Hawks, the Hawk Talk podcast for joining me this morning gentlemen thanks so very much it's Truly been a pleasure it. when you get here you, get to easter monday grab a drink with us we'll be happy to have you and uh well hopefully it's someday soon go hawks i and hope good so luck, cats i'd like to thank nick and tiz from the hawk talk podcast for joining me for this discussion this past weekend it was an absolute joy to talk to you gentlemen a lot of fun i appreciate you uh not giving this cat supporter too much of a hard time I learned a lot about the Hawks, their history, where the supporters see them going forward. Learned a lot about how much people love the phrase, green shoots. (laughs) So, gentlemen, thanks so very much to the two of you. I really appreciate you coming on. I cannot thank you enough. And ladies and gentlemen, don't forget that if you'd like to sign up for the mailing list so that you get each episode delivered to you first, there's a link to a short form in the show notes. If you'd like to sign up, I'd love to add you to the list. There are like four questions on there. It's asking for your name, who you support, what state you live in, and your email address so I can get the the, uh, episode out to you. Also, if you've got an idea for a show topic or someone you think I should talk to that would be a a great guest for the show, feel free to drop me a DM on Twitter or shoot me an email at yankonthefootygmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. I'm discovering new guests all the time. I've got a couple of great interviews 
set up this week still to do. Um, one for sure this week, I'm going to be speaking with uh, the founders of one of the newest clubs in the USAFL. I'm looking forward to that discussion. Remember that while you can find all the episodes for the podcast at yankonthefooty.podbean.com, you can also find it on your favorite podcast provider. Every episode is also available on my YouTube channel. Just search out my name, Craig Wessels. And now that you've listened, I'd love for you to give me a review on Apple Podcasts. It takes just a couple of minutes. lets me know what uh, you think of the show, what I could do better, what's going well. Let's other people know, hey, I should check this out. This is worthy of my time. And also, as I'd said earlier, folks, I would love for you to share the podcast with your friends. Just pop a link on your social media. Let them know that you think it's all right. And don't forget that you can reach me at yankonthefooty at gmail.com as well as at yank underscore on on Twitter and on Facebook and Instagram at yankonthefooty. You can also, like I said, find the podcast on YouTube. Also, I'd like to thank Joseph McDade for the use of two of his great pieces of music. Mr. McDade created some fantastic music and I'm using, I'm using backplate at elevation. You can reach him at josephmcdade.com slash music. Mr. McDade, thanks again for your hard work. Oh, by the way, you can also find his work on Spotify as well. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for listening. I appreciate you tuning in. I really, truly do. And while we're fans of our teams and our team's competitions have quite frankly begun in the last couple of weeks with the trade period and now with the draft, we're fans of a game that we all love. And that's the game of footy, whether it's at the AFL level or the Sandful or the Kneeful or the Waffle or being played in the Northern Territories or Tasmania. This is a fantastic game. And I so truly appreciate all of you who have shared the game with me and are helping me learn about the game. I cannot thank you enough. And ladies and gents, thanks again. And I do ask that you share the podcast with your friends and family. And may your dribble kick never hit the post. I'll catch you later. This has been episode number 65 of A Yank on the Footy. Don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on on Twitter or to the yank on the footy at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at A Yank on the Footy. And again, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening. And please share a link with the podcast with your friends and family. Until next time, ladies and gents, goodbye.